The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to Mind Body Pause with Charlie Kale, holistic living for you and your animals. You found your happy place to nurture your connection to animals with enlightening information from the innovators who make their world a better place. This is Mind Body Pause on Empower Radio. Now, here's your host, fellow animal lover, Charlie Kale. Hello, and welcome to Mind, Body, Paws, Holistic Living for You and Your Animals. Thank you for being here. This is show number 11, Soul Dog, Exploring the Spiritual Life of Animals with Elena Manis. I'm Charlie Kale, mom to two dogs and three cats, broadcaster and Reiki practitioner at in San Francisco at Energy Healing for People and Paws. I do distant healings as well as in-person appointments because energy transcends space and time. And there's more about all of that at charliekale.com. That's my website, C-H-A-R-L-Y-K-A-Y-L-E.com. This is your safe place to honor animals where we'll nurture our connection to them mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, as well as metaphysically, which is something our guest today probably never thought she'd be discussing back when she was producing news stories for 60 Minutes. Elena Manis is an award-winning writer, director, and producer of documentaries whose honors include six Emmys, two director guilds, a Peabody, nine Cine Golden Eagle Awards, and as a television journalist, she wrote, directed, and produced series and documentaries for PBS, ABC, CBS, and the Discovery Channel. She lives in New York City with her dog Bravo and cat Kismet. Hello, Elena. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I am thrilled you're here because you wrote a wonderful book called Soul Dog, A Journey into the Spiritual Life of Animals. It's an exploration of animal spirituality and the ability of animals to communicate with humans, even in in the afterlife. And you tell the story of your big, beautiful, black standard poodle, Brio, who forever changed your life and helped guide you to who you really are. And I love the fact that you weave all kinds of research through the anecdotes and the stories of your life and Brio's life. And it honestly feels like I'm watching a documentary when I read it. Oh, that's so nice of you. I'm so happy to hear that. And you're right. I really am the last person I ever would have thought would write this book. I can imagine. And I was actually fascinated by your stories behind the scenes. You worked with Peter Jennings and Diane Sawyer. And I do in a little bit want to get to one of those stories about Diane Sawyer and an experiment that you convinced her and your TV crew to film. But first, tell me a little bit about Brio and why he is a soul dog. Well, um, he just is, was. um... (laughs) Um, I did not know that in the beginning. Um, I decided I would get a puppy um, when I was going through kind of a midlife crisis uh, with a relationship, and then I was in a near-fatal car crash and a film shoot, and I thought that there should be more to my life than just working like a demon, and I would get a puppy and, you know, would bring unconditional love and comfort and no problems at all. And <laughs> I would get a trainer and everything would be great and my life wouldn't really change. Well, <laughs> that is not quite how it turned out to be. Brio, from the beginning, is a very special spirit, but um, I did not speak dog. You know, my, I'd never had a dog. I was in the, busy, in the middle of a busy career and... 
you didn't always listen to me, you didn't obey me, and... <laughs> obey <it> was, you. <laughs> it was very upsetting. You know, I thought he didn't like me, he didn't love me, and um, things were not going according to plan in the beginning. But that was what set me off on this amazing journey. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, would you have considered yourself a very spiritual person or even interested in metaphysics before Brio entered your life? Not really, no. I mean, I certainly wasn't religious um, and not really spiritual either. I mean, I was a skeptic, trained as a journalist to really not believe anything is truth unless, um, you know, there was empirical evidence and um, multiple sources confirming everything. So I I was not um, really a believer in anything resembling telepathy or psychics or mediums, anything like that. Energy healing, animal communication, afterlife, reincarnation, all of that. Right. (laughs) Right. All of that juicy, fun stuff I love to dive into. But you're right. I mean, when we're younger, we're conditioned to kind of beat those interests out of us by society. Exactly. I mean, and as you a were child, too, I'd even, actually even kind when of... you were a child, you had an experience and your mother and your grandmother said, oh, no, 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 that's just your imagination, Elena. Right. I mean, I had kind of had this moment when I, you know, I really thought I'd been um, um, in South America somewhere when I was reading a history book, and I kind of I believed in reincarnation when I was a little child. But then, you know, people sneered at it and sort of poo-pooed it, and, you know, as you say, it was, you know, I think that's very common in our culture to... Um, really not believe in those things, certainly in certain sections of our culture. Right, and, right. And and another thing, you're a very public person, um, I mean, in the public eye, and I have had a history of that myself, and it is really hard open your, opening yourself up to be vulnerable and allow people to realize who you really are and what you do believe when it's subjects that they scoff at. Yes, it certainly is. I mean, I didn't really, you know, for many, even when I was going through this journey with Rio and changing um, and really coming to believe in all the things I'd never believed in about this and the world of the invisible of, you know, communication with another species through telepathy and, as you say, the afterlife and reincarnation. I mean, I didn't go public, so to speak, about that um, really until this book came out, not in my professional world, certainly. For, you know, I, because I was afraid it would really damage my career. Same here. Same here. I kept those interests on the down low. We're talking with Elena Manis, author of the book Soul Dog, A Journey into the Spiritual Life of Animals, which you can find at souldogbook.com. So fast forward with Brio a little bit. You absolutely fell in love with him. You realized there was something extremely special about him and when we look into our animal's eyes and we do see that we can see into their soul and they can see into ours, we are forever changed whether we recognize it or not. But as time went on, Brio got sick and you decided to contact an animal communicator. Yes, I had started to talk to communicators because I felt I didn't understand him and I wanted some help and, you know, I was getting really accurate readings, you know, and then he did get sick, and um, he had all this, these Western medical tests, and they said he'd never walk normally again, even much less run, so I was completely devastated, and I'd heard about um, 
somebody um, he knew of an animal communicator who did energy healing, so I called her. I figured I had nothing to lose. And, you know, she spent some time with Rio over the phone, and finally she said she would do work on him that day and a few more times, but that I would have my dog back, and he would walk and run again, and that proved to be true. Um, we had many more active years together, and it seemed like a miracle to me, and that was really, um, you know, sort of the straw that broke the camel's back in a way in terms of really convincing me that there was something going on here that I couldn't explain by ordinary means, you know, by physical, our physical human senses. It's one of the energy healers you're talking about, my friend Alicia Evans? Yes. I love her. That's Alicia. <laughs> She was the one. We talked about you um, <laughs> last week. I interviewed her last week, and we talked about Brio and you and the book. And um, she is an amazing healer. And one of the things that cracked me up in the book when you said um, you uh, it was 4 a.m. New York City time, 2 a.m. Colorado time, but you didn't care. You called her anyway because you wanted some information about Brio, some help, some comfort, and she was not too happy to be awakened. <laughs> That was another incident later on in his life, but, you know, she was right. not happy. But, you know, I didn't care. I wanted her. I needed her help. <laughs> right, exactly. But through the uh, – you talked to a lot of different animal communicators as well, um, and Alicia was one of the amazing energy healers. How – I mean, what did you learn when you were finding out that they were telling you things that they could not possibly know, even if they Googled you and researched you, these are things they could not know that they were hearing from Brio. Oh, exactly. And things about him and me that I didn't tell them, and there's no way they could have known it, as you say. So, you know, I had, you know, the more convinced I got that, you know, this really was happening and it was true, uh, this telepathic communication and healing, I started to research, you know, and talk to some scientists, um, researching um, dog cognition and emotion and extrasensory perception, um, as well as um, the whole phenomenon of telepathy and um, um, communication past the boundaries of time and space. So there's a lot of hard science now about dog cognition and intelligence and emotion and proving that they're more like us than, than we ever um, imagined, and that all certainly opens up new avenues for communicating with them, um, with our dogs, and understanding them. And then, of course, I ran across Rupert Sheldrake. You probably have heard of him, and your listeners may have, too, the Cambridge University-trained biologist who researches uh, dog and other animal telepathy, telepathic abilities. For example, dogs who seem to know when their owners are coming home and they wait at the window or the door, or even when the owner's coming at a random time over a long distance, and they go to the window or the door when the owner or the person, is, the human, is leaving um, some distance away. So he has amazing um, statistics and, and research on this. And he believes that non-human animals, including dogs, have much stronger telepathic abilities than humans because we have so much noise in our lives. We've kind of blocked out our intuitive telepathic abilities, um, I think, and he does. <laughs> right. It's so yeah. true. And your book is chock full of this research, and you footnote and document everything. You are one organized person. 
I looked through this book and I was like, holy cow, you're organized and you did a lot of research. And I really appreciate having it all in one enjoyable to read story as well as as um, journey. It's not it's not just a story. I mean, it's it's an experience, a journey. But there's so much documentation in there that anyone who's interested in a certain experiment uh, can you give them the place to go to discover more about it, which I really do appreciate. Well, I really wanted to, people, uh, to give people not just my testimony and experience, but, you know, some other evidence that, you know, this is a real phenomenon and really hopefully open people up to listening more and, and trying to communicate at a deeper level with their dogs and other animals. Right. And, you know, it's natural to want to contact animal communicators so they can tell you what your animal is trying to tell you. But at what point did they say to you that you needed to look within yourself, trust your own intuition and know what messages Brio was trying to tell you? Well, I don't know that they ever really told me I had to do that, but it was sort <laughs> of a, a natural development as, you know, years went by and I you know, I'm living with Brio and really coming to understand his incredible spirit and wisdom and his connection to something bigger than himself, whatever you want to call it. And so I, you know, I started meditation and really worked more on going within myself and connecting with him directly. Um, I still, you know, appreciate and value the what animal communicators can do, you know, in sort of supporting that connection that one has from, uh, with one's dog, I mean, that I had with Brio. I mean, I think both are certainly valid, but over the, you know, I certainly have been changed drastically um, in my own spiritual journey by the, my relationship with Brio. I mean, he taught me to be in the moment, and even though he was ill many times, he never complained. I mean, his spirit, the strength of his spirit was always there. I mean, I just, um, he gave me so much that I couldn't help but change. Brio does eventually make his transition, and you were there the moment his soul left his body. You felt the energy. You swirled with it. So I was outside on a quiet, beautiful, sunny day reading this. One of my cats was sleeping in my lap. My two dogs were sleeping on a lawn chair. I'm reading this account of the beauty and the depth of pain you were feeling during the crossing. Silent tears were streaming down my face. And as I'm getting to the part about the energy coming out and you swirling with this energy and feeling it, all of a sudden, the cat on my lap jumped up and stared at me. And my German Shepherd and my little Chihuahua Terrier mix just started howling and howling. Oh. Nothing triggered them. There was no dog barking. There was no person around. Out of the blue, the three of them, the two dogs started howling. The cat stared at me, and I couldn't figure out what was going on, and I realized they felt me feeling the depth of your pain and wonderment, and they were trying to bring me back to the present. Oh, my goodness. How, fant- how incredible. That's it an really was. story. <laughs> and <laughs> it... It impressed upon me um, the beauty and energy of your experience so that I wouldn't 
be, I mean, it, you can't say not be as sad when your own animal passes because it's devastating regardless, even when you know that their energy is still going to be around, it's not the same. But I think they were trying to do two things, impress that upon me and go, remember, mommy, we're still going to be around, but also bring me back to the present and stop taking on someone else's pain. Right. I mean, the animals certainly do that. And, you know, it, it, of course, it's devastating when we physically lose a beloved animal. But, um, I mean, I don't feel that I lost Bria's energy in some ways. I mean, I certainly remain connected to it. And I really I am convinced I know that he's still with me. His consciousness, his spirit endures because after he physically passed, you know, the, the, I kept the connection and also the animal communicators relayed these incredible messages from him that were so detailed um, about where he was in my house, what he was doing, what I had done uh, the day before in minute detail. The, you know, there's absolutely no way they could have known this, that, you know, and, and it was so clearly from Brio's perspective, um, like, um, you know, where he sensed a smoky fire in a restaurant where I was eating. You know, I certainly wasn't, had no idea that he was somehow there, you know, <laughs> or that I wasn't even thinking of the lunch in the restaurant when I was talking to the animal psychic. You know, I mean, it's just de- detail after detail like that of, and reporting that he was sitting in my office with minute detail about the arrangement of the office and where he was in it and the wood trim where he was lying. I mean, it's, um, it just went on and on and on. But, you know, uh, to make a long story short, I mean, it, it was so convincing that I, I could not doubt that his spirit remains, you know, his consciousness remains and he is with me. Most definitely. He was probably saying, Ha ha restaurant, you're going to get a, you're going to let a dog in here now. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Oh, uh, well, right. so let's talk about something fun. You work closely as I mentioned before with Peter Jennings, with Diane Sawyer. How hard was it to convince her and the crew to film an animal communication experiment? Well, this is a um, our show about animal intelligence, which you know, that it's a natural people love to hear about animals. Um and I persuaded them to, um, to do a segment of that on animal telepathy because, you know, it's, I don't know that I convinced her that it's true or not. <laughs> I mean, I'll never know, but, you know, it's fun. I mean, it gets ratings. You know, people like to hear about that kind of thing. So right. we, I got a psychic to read her dog, and, you know, the reading was remarkably accurate. Again, and we taped the dog around Diane's yard and her house, and then the psychic had never been there. We talked to her separately after she'd met Diane's dog, and she um, described the yard and the house and what the dog did there precisely. We ran the videotape against it. It was right on, you know, so it was pretty amazing. Yeah, that stuff is, I, I love it. I, I Of course, I absolutely love watching and reading um, any kind of experiments done like that. How about the horse race? Oh, that was another story for the same network that I persuaded them to do a story about an animal psychic um, reading a horse who's entered in the Belmont Stakes. And that was the year that a famous horse named War Emblem was supposed to win. He'd won the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness, and he was supposed to win the Belmont and win the Triple Crown. So the only trainer that I could get to have a psychic reading was the trainer of the longest shot in Belmont Stakes history, 
70 to 1, 7 0 to 1. <laughs> His name was Sarava. So we go out and the psychic, you know, stands with them and minutes go by in silence and finally she says, he says he's going to win. And everybody's jaw kind of dropped and the, the trainer was kind of plaintively asked, you know, why does he think he's going to win? He clearly didn't believe it either. And the psychic said, um, well, he wants to do it for you and his owner. He's sure he can do it. So skip ahead to the next day, the day of the race. I'm home watching on TV. And no mention of Sarava by the announcer pretty much until the far turn. Um, they were paying attention to all the more famous horses. So all of a sudden I hear the announcer scream, Sarava is moving up. He's passing War Emblem. Sarava is taking the lead, and finally, Sarava has won the Belmont Stakes. It was the longest shot in Belmont <laughs> history. So, I mean, it was it was really a stunning experience. <laughs> that is astounding. I mean, seventy to one, and when and I believe you said that none of the other trainers would let you or let the animal communicator uh, talk to their horse and let you film it. And this is the only one where the trainer was like, "Hey, sure, what the heck." Right. I mean, <laughs> and then your stomach must have just plummeted, thinking, "Oh my gosh, this is not what I, I was did. looking I mean, I thought, for." Oh, this is horrible. You know, this is never going to make a story. My, <laughs> they're going to my reputation. Shit. What am I going to do? <laughs> I mean, that's astounding. And then, <laughs> and then, of all horses to be able to film. Well, I mean, it was you know divine intervention and guidance that you were able to even interview that horse because. I mean, it just, it all worked together. But yeah, that one, which just blew my mind. I was like, oh no, the end of the story isn't really going to be that this 70 to one horse <laughs> won, is it? I'm like, oh my gosh, it is. Because, and this is verifiable. I can it go happens. Google this it and happens. it's true. You can watch the race on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, how fun. Um, So in writing this book, I'm sure, oh, so being with Brio, I know you already learned so many things about yourself. Going back and writing the book, you had to make many more re revelations about yourself and your life. I did, and which is not an easy thing to do probably for anybody, but especially for me. I tend to be a private person, but, you know, I wouldn't have really relayed the depth of, you know, the transformation that occurred <laughs> because of my connection to Brio if I hadn't revealed, you know, I just, you know, I'd been a really driven type A person and was tough on people I worked with because I was a perfectionist and driven and very ambitious and not that I'm still not something like that, but, uh, you know, I, I do think I've really changed because of connecting to um, another dimension of reality and existence because of Brio. I mean, and exploring these huge questions about, you know, the afterlife and this consciousness endure and reincarnation all because of my connection to my dog. And, you know, it's not that everybody may have all the, that experience, but I really do believe that if we listen to our animals and open up to what they have to teach us and say to us, that, you know, there, there are amazing gifts there to be had. Would you say Brio brought or helped you learn more about patience and compassion? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 
Oh, it's it's such a great book. We're talking with Elena Manis, author of the book Soul Dog, A Journey into the Spiritual Life of Animals. And you can find out more about her at souldogbook.com. What is your hope for anyone reading this book? Well, as I say, I mean, I hope it, first of all, opens people up to looking at non-human animals, our fellow creatures in a different way, as not as pets and our inferiors to be sort of ordered around, but as equal, if not sometimes superior beings who have so much to teach us. And secondly, to really follow their lead and, and through connecting to them, open ourselves up to understanding um, that there is you know, more to reality than just our human five senses. Yes, and that even that when they do pass on, we can still feel their energy around us, and they are still with us. They no, are the, still. I mean, that's the greatest love. gift of all to know that. I mean, what you know. I mean, it, that's a huge gift. And we're still not, <laughs> and they're still not going to quote unquote obey us. That's why I laughed in the beginning when you said, <laughs> you know, you were going to turn this puppy into the perfect dog. He would obey you. <laughs> and, you know, anyone who does get an animal and lives with an animal learns that it's 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 a two way street. It's it's um, a companionship with each other. You're there to support each other and learn from each other, teach each other. There's no obey to it. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, I mean, it's so incredible to really know inwardly and and not just intellectually as words, you know, but to know that his spirit continues. And if that's true of him, it's true of all of us, all beings. Exactly. Thank you so much, writer, director, producer, Elena Manis, author of the book Soul Dog, A Journey into the Spiritual Life of Animals, available wherever books are sold. Also available at souldogbook.com. And like I said before, there was so much research packed in between the anecdotes and the stories with Brio that it really is like watching a documentary and you'll find it a beautiful book, souldogbook.com. And thank you so much, everyone, for hanging out with me on Mind, Body, Pause, Holistic Living for You and Your Animals. I'm Charlie Kale. Check out my Reiki business, Energy Healing for People on Pause, for in-person or distant healing sessions, people or animals, at charliekale.com. And you can also find all the past shows on there as well as on my page and Empower Radio. And please connect with me on social media. Special thanks to Brent Carey, CEO of Empower Radio, and Remy Smith at the controls back in the studio in Detroit. Take care and remember, no matter what is going on with your animals, don't beat yourself up thinking you could have done better because you're doing the best you can. And they know it and they chose you anyway, and they love you for it. Mind Body Pause is a guilt-free zone. See you next time. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.